Welcome to Self-Published Success, a show catered specifically to the innovators and entrepreneurs who sought creative control over their titles, chose self-publishing over traditional, and found overwhelming success in the process. In this show, we will introduce these risk takers and ask them a variety of questions. Why did you choose self-publishing? What were your results? And most importantly, what are some secrets to success? Self-published success is designed to get your creative juices flowing, to get you energized and excited for the road to authorship ahead. So sit back, grab your trusted pen and notepad, and get ready to gain tips that will help you along your own self-publishing journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Self-Published Success, a show that highlights forward-thinking authors who chose self-publishing over traditional and found success in doing so. My name is John Feldman, founder and CEO of Visionary Literary and your host for today's show. Our guest today is Fitz Kohler. Fitz of Fitzness.com, that's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S, is the author of multiple books, including My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong, and Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. She's also a keynote speaker, a professional race announcer, and a fitness expert. Her small company, Fitzness International, has a global reach, and she has conquered every avenue of mass media to help people live better and longer. Fitz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. We are excited to have you. We will get into you have a traditional publishing deal and you self-published, and we'll get into all of that. Um, But I do, and the listeners do, want to hear more about you, your story, who you are, and why you decided to, to share your story in these books. Yeah, so you did a great job with my bio, um, but I'm noisy, I'm bossy, I I get credit for being compelling, which is very important, but I have created a career out of helping people live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. And, you know, the first few years of teaching fitness, I did so in a gym and did personal training like every other fitness person in the world, but then I started hosting a TV show. And with that, strangers started approaching and telling me how I'd changed their life, how I'd helped them lose weight or achieve this or their pain was gone. And I thought, whoa, that's impactful. I mean, the fact that I can help strangers, how mind blowing. So I got really excited about that. And then I actually, my my sports career is semi-interesting, but I competed as a full contact kickboxer for almost 10 years and I was pretty darn good and prominent. And so um, people did a lot of articles on me. I finally had the courage to say, Hey, can I write one myself? Cause I really wanted to. And they, and the, not only did the editor instantly say yes, but he said, sure. How much money do you need for it? And I thought, oh, I get to write it and you're going to pay me. Hooray. And so my very first article that I wrote was called how to kick people in the head, in the mm-hmm. head. And it was a combination of teaching them how to build strength, build flexibility and the strategy involved in and doing such an exciting task. And so the magazine came out, I believe it was Black Belt magazine or something like that. Anyways, a few weeks later, I got a handwritten letter in the mail from some dude in Kentucky that said, hey, Fitz, I just wanted to thank you. I've been involved in martial arts and combat sports forever. And because of your article, I finally kicked someone in the head. And I thought, again, it was one of those moments where I thought, wow, I hope someone across the country kicked someone in the head. This is fantastic. 
And uh, so, yeah, I gave up the small stuff. Everything I do now is on a microphone. It can be projected to massive audiences. I work as a corporate spokesperson and those corporations like Disney, Oakley, Tropicana, Office Depot, they give me huge audiences because they're huge companies, right? Either they fill me up with their uh, employees or they connect me with their consumers within race announcing, you know, so with race announcing, I'm not really helping. I'm not, I'm not doing the instructional thing. My job is to celebrate people. It's to engage, inform, entertain people that have shown up to massive running events. Uh, my marquee events are Los Angeles Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Detroit Free Press, Gasparilla. I mean, there's over 30 a year that I travel to, to make happy noise, uh, to boss people around and celebrate them for all they've accomplished. So uh, that, and then I also happen to have some cancer in 2019 and 2020. It turned into a very wild ride because I never, I, I never stopped working. And so I boarded over 30 planes out of Gainesville, Florida, where I live to go announce these races. And I stood in front of probably a million people live with my bald head and my gray skin. And, you know, uh, the anecdotes are endless. And so I, I had already previously published a uh, cookbook with a, a publishing house many years ago. But when it comes to this, uh, this situation, first I thought, you know what? There's all this weird stuff that goes on that nobody talks about. Somebody should talk about it. And I didn't know if it was going to be a blog or a podcast. And then I thought, you know what? I could write a book about this stuff. I think people would get a laugh. I think people would find my experiences hilarious. And then... Uh, the the do better, be better thing kicked in. And then I thought, you know what? I could really help other people going through hard times uh, do better and be better mentally, physically. And so my memoir was born 2020. That was my first effort with self-publishing. And now I have two new books coming out in January. So I'm in the middle of uh, self-publishing chaos right now, which is super exciting. And I don't want to call it stressful because I do think it's all positive and it's all by choice. But uh, yeah, it's exciting. I'm I'm counting the seconds until they're released. It is. Well, thank you for sharing that, for giving us more of a background. Um, obviously, so much there. You, yeah. <laughs> you condensed it down to about 90 seconds, but there are so many different questions that we can ask. Before we get into everything about publishing and talking about your deals and then why you chose self-publishing for, for your memoir and your other books, I want to I want to ask you a question because so many different influencers and business people, everyone talks about this, like before you succeed, like this kind of not rock bottom moment, but the moment where you just wonder like, is this all worth it? Is this all going to work? You have, you've obviously hit this moment in your life that is so pivotal, so critical. And you just seem to somehow you use it as a motivator to drive you to keep doing, to actually do more than it seemed like you were doing before. How, from a mental standpoint, how, how are you able to accomplish that? You know, it's, it's all mental. It's all mental. And so, you know, I focus on everybody's physical because the physical will become a real problem mentally if you don't take care of it. But I, I make decisions for myself and, and that's the end of it. I choose, uh, to be positive. I choose to use perspective, to use perspective. I say no a lot, you know, I get opportunities or offers and if they're not in line with my mission or my brand or my interests, I say no. Um, but damn it, I'm so happy to be here and I'm so excited to 
have a career that I adore and I'm surrounded by people that I love. That's actually one of the great gifts of um, my cancer nonsense is that uh, many people hit that fork in the road. They go, oh, I have a potentially terminal disease. Am I doing the wrong thing? Should I stay home? Should I pivot? And instead for me, uh, my cancer experience just solidified the ground I was standing on. I, I had already created the career of my dreams and surrounded myself with the right people. That's why I fought tooth and nail to get to all of those things, no matter how sick I was. So I just, I make choices. I believe most people have a, have control over about 97% of what happens in their life, or at least how they respond to it. And uh, I, I just... I like controlling me. I'm in charge of Fitz Kohler. Nobody else's newsflash. It's me versus me. And I, I'm pretty good at controlling her. Well, I love that. And for anyone who's, who's listening in and not watching, um, Fitz has been, even before we hit record, it's just been a nonstop smile on her face. Okay. It's unbelievable to see just the, um, the happiness that kind of pours and radiates from, from her. So with all that, again, I could ask a million different questions because from a business perspective, and even when it comes to a writer and the writing perspective, we all hit writer's block or lows or the point where we're writing our, our memoir or our manuscript. And we think, wow, this is, this is absolute, this is garbage. We've got to get rid of this. I've put so many hours into this, so many words, but I just know that it's not working. Um, and, and, and again, like we could, we could talk so much about those moments, but I want to move in quickly to your traditional deal and your yeah. publishing deal. So, and your self-publishing um, experience. So for many people listening to the show, they are first time authors or aspiring authors, and they're wondering which direction to go, which direction is going to be better for them. We discuss 95%, we discuss the experience of self-publishing and the journey. So we make that clear. We clarify that journey so they can know this is what happens here. But for the traditional journey, can you give us a little bit of insight into what that was like for you? Yeah, so it was mm, 2010, maybe. And I had gotten a literary agent, which is, of course, a big deal. And I live in Gainesville, Florida. There's not literary agents crawling around, but I got one. And she uh, promoted me and eventually a, a publishing company, Adams Media, they reached, they said, we would like to have, ask Fitz if she can write this cookbook for us. We want a cookbook written for us. And they offered me $10,000 and they gave me, I was like a six week deadline. It was tough. Wow. But I said, yes. Yeah. So folks, when somebody makes you an offer, figure it out. The answer is yes. yes. And then you figure out how to do it. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, I did. And, and I worked really hard to get that done. Uh, but what I found is I didn't have a control of a lot of things. I, I couldn't control the cover. I wanted to inc include some photos and things. Nope, no photos. There was all of this stuff that I had no say over. So when the book came out, I was excited over it. I was excited to have $10,000 in my bank account. I think the bo book sold like hotcakes. I think they made a lot, a lot of money off Fitzcoller, which is fine because I signed that deal. Right. But I learned there were some things that were there. It's a give and take, right? And then mm -hmm. they... Same agent, same same publishing house asked me to write a book called for their uh, 365 Ways series. And it was 365 Ways to Boost Your Metabolism. So they asked me, would you write that? And I thought, well, okay, sure. So write the book and send it off. And they they return it and say, Fitz, um, we need to add two chapters. And one of the chapter would be on um, weight loss supplements. 
And then one was on negative calorie food. And so both of them are hogwash. Both of them are lies, are scams. There is no such thing as a weight loss supplement that works that won't likely kill you. You know, there's maybe a couple things prescription wise, but you you better protect your heart with a, a concrete fence type thing. And then negative calorie food doesn't exist. It's a concept of eating food and it takes more to digest than it did in consumption. So I said, no, these, no, A, the supplement thing is dangerous and um, the other thing is just lies. And they said, well, people want that. They will buy the book for that. And I said, you cannot put my name on this book if you have lies in there. My credibility and not taking advantage of the consumer is far more important. So this is what happened. They said, okay, we won't put your name on it. The agent had in my contract, I was listed as freelance writer versus author. If I was author, I could have made all the decisions, but I was listed as freelance writer. So they took my book. They found some hack nutritionist who put her name on it and they published that book. And I still got paid up front, but I was livid. I was so upset and I fired the agent that I, I was so excited to have. I fired her because she screwed up the contract and then I had no agent. Um, but when I came back to the publishing trough, I thought, yeah, I want to write a book. I didn't want to be taken advantage of, you know, my business, I've built this brand. It's respected. It's, um, it's all sorts of goodness. And I wasn't going to put my words, my story of my cancer comeback in somebody else's hands. And so is it a heck of a lot more work to do everything? Absolutely. But there are so many wonderful resources out on the internet. I have had a few friends who self-published and I, I mean, I produced one hell of a book. You can't feel it here, but my book can sit on a shelf next to Michelle Obama's and George Bush's. And it looks like it came out of a big publishing house. So uh, no way. If you're going to go with a publishing house, man, you better be Brad Pitt. You better have some wild amount of celebrity. They're going to give stroke you a mil millions of dollars. If not, you're better off doing it yourself. Don't even waste your time. Yes, totally agree. And thank you for sharing all of that because there are in, in many of the previous episodes, what we say is again, creative control. And you and I didn't talk about that at all before oh, we hit record. That just came out naturally. And that's what we discussed so much is in self-publishing, especially with you and like your memoir or anybody writing a memoir or some kind of nonfiction, like their business ideas or any kind of, any kind of intellectual property. Yeah. You're turning that over to the publishing house if you go traditional. So I love the fact that you touched on that almost immediately, which is, you know, you, this is Fitz, this is your story and you don't want anyone else to, to give that. And I, it's very unfortunate that that happened with you in the first book, because obviously fitness, nutrition, like this is you, this is what you do. This is what you've right. done for a long time and for them to, to kind of go that route is, is very unfortunate. So it looked like you were about to say something. Sorry, I cut you uh, off. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I can't see any real benefit to going the other dire direction and I learned the hard way. So for all your listeners, please don't relearn the hard way. Like don't do what I did learn from my mistakes. I'm happy to talk numbers and, and be honest with people because we can all succeed, right? There's right. readers from all sorts and all categories, right. all genres. I want everyone at home to have wild success and their books to be real winners. Right. And and one thing to mention too, is that, so you, your cookbook, it was 2010 when that came out, when they reached out to you. So self-publishing 12 years ago was much, much different. 
right. now you're holding up your book and the cover looks amazing. Like you said, it could sit next to Michelle Obama's on, on a shelf. The self-publishing, the distribution partners that traditional publishers have are now open to self-publishers. So we're going through the same exact avenues. Again, like you said, it's a little bit more work up front, but you're controlling that work. Your cover design, you're hiring the freelancer who does that. Your interior layout, the wording, the editing, you get final say in all of that. Whereas with a traditional publisher, you don't. So again, and congrats on that book and being so confident that you could say this could sit next to Michelle Obama's. That's such a great feeling to know that you controlled every aspect to put that together. It sure does. And the other thing I love is I love taking all the money when people buy the book, yes, right? I'm yes. paying for the printing of the book, but then the rest comes to me. I right. am on Amazon and I do get those piddly four and five dollar checks. But when people buy through fitness.com, I you know, I walk away with 10, 15 dollars a book. Yeah. Way better. I, I put a little effort. I I actually I sign every book that comes out of my office and they're all packaged in beautiful envelopes. And I write little love letters to every last one of my readers. And I enjoy the process. It's a blessing to connect with all these people. And the fact that they've decided to spend their hard-earned money on my book makes me, you know, want to pamper them a little more. So yeah, it's it's effort up front, but there's a great reward on the backside. Right, right. And what one thing that you just mentioned there about the difference that the listeners may or may not know about is when you say you list it, on Amazon. So that's basically print on demand. So you can list on Amazon when someone buys your book from Amazon, Amazon prints it and then ships it. So when you, that is the opposite of economies of scale. So it costs more to print one copy than it does to print. Say if you ordered offset printing 2,500 copies and they're all sitting in your garage, obviously it's a lower per print cost. And that's what way you can go. I actually, I print with Ingram Spark and they give me the, the per book price is the same if I order one or 100. So I, I do keep a couple cases in my office. Yeah. I travel, I do a lot of speaking and buy books, but, um, but yeah, I'm not paying a lot more. I mean, maybe if I, I bought a thousand, I would get a bigger discount, but between okay. one and 100, it's yeah. the same price. That's the same yeah. price. It's a good deal. Yeah. And it's good. I love the personalized aspect too, how you enjoy that personalized aspect of, of you know, sending a, a little note inside of each book, because that that's very, very important, especially when it comes to, you have two more books coming out. The first book, if someone received it and they received a letter, a personalized letter inside that, they feel so much more connected to you. So that is a, again, a very good approach. Um, I have to ask a question that kind of steps back from from writing and self-publishing now. And that's the idea of, so you touched on the idea that there are so many readers out there and there are so many categories. Fitness today is huge. I mean, there are fitness, yeah, fitness influencers on everywhere you go. So when it comes to that and finding like your perfect niche reader inside of that audience, did you find it to be a struggle because this is such a popular category? Uh, so no, um, there is a generic uh, everybody fitness book coming out next. But for these books, it's interesting to me. There, It's not zero, but there's maybe two other books in the entire category of cancer and fitness and health. There's nothing, nothing at all, which is 
bonkers to me. And <laughs> the two books available, one is this real creepy looking thing with this animated doctor code and it's real medical. And I assure you when cancer, someone's diagnosed with cancer, they want two things. They want information and they want hope. That book is full of neither. And then the other one is some sort of, it's supposed to be cancer fitness. I've done the research. It's a nurse who wrote it. What does a nurse know about fitness? I mean, maybe generically, but she she's not given actual fitness advice. And um, yeah, it's just poor. It's all poor. It's all very macabre. And so I'm actually in a market right now where nobody has touched. It's your healthy cancer comeback. There's nobody out there talking about, hey, let's use exercise, nutrition, sleep, complementary care to slow the decline. I mean, your body goes through hell, at least for many of us. And, you know, can we slow the atrophy of your muscles? Yeah. Can we maintain your balance so you don't fall down? Yes. Do you know that high intensity exercise can uh, reduce your chances of having cancer spread from one place to another by 72%. So there's, we have so much power. Nobody's talking about it. So John, I'm going to do a Babe Ruth right here. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. You know how he walked up the bat and he was like pointed for the, for the parking lot. I think these books, this, your healthy cancer comeback series, I think they are going to become the modern day, what to expect when you're expecting for cancer patients. I, I, my intention is to put these books in the hands of every cancer patient and survivor in this, in this world um, because there's nothing else like it and it can make such a big difference. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I, I have big expectations. This is not a cute little self-publishing uh, endeavor, John. I think, I think these are going to explode only because there's a gaping hole and people need them. Well, I love that. And I love, I love your confidence and your enthusiasm. Just saying, you've mentioned it a few times, helping people. Yeah. So many, like when, when, when you think about books, an aspiring author thinks about book sales and can I have passive revenue and how can I make money from it? And if you, so many people you've had success writing and it's because that, I guess the, your desire to help just, it just displays on the page and, and that shows, and it displays in, in your messaging as well. You're not, um, obviously you talked about, you know, some costs and, and money that you can make, mm -hmm. But that's not your that's not your main overall goal. You want to help, and your little Babe Ruth moment there is uh, is I love the confidence in it, and I really do hope um, that it, that it does take off in the way that you see it. Well, you know I appreciate that, and there there this there's two things. Um, number one is I remember being in a place where I'm already a, a real trim girl. I had lost 11 percent of my body weight. I had. I mean, I was emaciated and I was so weak. I was weak. I couldn't open the water bottle. Sometimes I couldn't open my car door. I was still working full time. All my energy was expended on, on race announcing and travel. But I had gone into the gym. I had finished this really like mean, nasty portion of my treatment and got, got the surgery out of the way. And I go into a gym and I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to lift again. And I sat down on a machine and I'm bald and weird looking. Everything's wrong, right? My fingernails are ripping off. And then... I sit down on the machine and what I found is I could only push 20% of what I had previously lifted before cancer. I had lost 80% of my strength. And so at that moment, I had a real, it was an aha, because if I, I was not a, a fitness expert, that's the type of moment that might've made me burst into tears, 
flee the gym, get my car, run home and cry and give up. Right. right. What, how do you fix this? Look, what right. has happened to me? What it was such a profound moment. Instead being who I am and knowing what I know, I instantly had designed the perfect strategy to build my body back up and get all my strength back and return to athletic adventure. I ran the Boston marathon just over a year after finishing chemo, 15 months of chemo. So I knew how to do it. And it was one of those, you know, F this, I am not going to let anybody be lost anymore. This is not acceptable. It's, I mean, cancer's hard. The treatment's brutal. Thankfully it works for most of us, but that is not an acceptable experience for somebody to just be there thinking, I don't know, what do I do? That's not a place to be helpless. So, um, yeah, we want to help people. We want to, we want to get them well. I can't fix everybody. I don't have the magic wand, but you know, we can actually control a lot of our success with cancer. And then the other thing, when it comes to profitability, I want all of the authors out there to know that you shouldn't be ashamed of wanting to earn a living. This is a, a really honest way to earn a living. You're using your brain, you're using your brawn, you're, you're putting everything you have into this very lengthy product. These yes. a quality yes. book doesn't come out in three weeks. Yes. And so if you're fortunate enough to profit off of it, and I don't know, send your kids to college or put food on the table. That's a really redeeming thing to do too. I think all of that's very valid. And uh, yeah, people shouldn't shy away from making money or feel bad about it. You can have both. You can be a real do-gooder and somebody who gets to take their kids on vacation. Well, that's excellent and a great message. And I, I want to know for your book, so you only have the memoir out so far, but you do have the yeah. two others. When it comes to earning money from your book, book sales aren't everything. Right. You, I feel don't, you wouldn't need a book to be very eccentric and out there and being able to stand on, on stage and speak your, your personality shows it. So you would be able to easily make money by just go speaking at conferences, events, um, speaking with patients, but with a book, has that helped you? Has it gotten you in front of people who may otherwise have not known about you? Yeah. So I actually, I make a living on a microphone. 99% of my income comes from work on a microphone. Makes total so, sense. <laughs> a fear of not public speaking, or, or I don't have a fear of public speaking. I have a fear of not public speaking. Uh, but yeah, I definitely have been invited to many stages because of my book, because of my experience, instead of just talking about exercise and so forth. Now I'm talking about mental fortitude and, you know, there's an entire wormhole that comes with these experiences uh, I think, I don't think I know other authors out there. If you would like to turn your books into a speaking career, that's a, a, a quality choice. And I think have being an author is a decent platform to get you on a stage. But what I can tell you is you need to put as much effort into your speaking as you do the book. All of those edits, imagine your editor with all those red marks. You know, those are your ums. Those are your ahs. Do not stand on a stage with crappy posture. You walk up there, your shoulders are pinned back. You look people dead in the eye and you knock them out with your outstanding, compelling, exciting, fun message, whatever it is. But you need to put serious effort into speaking. If somebody gives you time on their stage, they're trusting you. Do not waste it. And so my number one recommendation for anyone who wants to speak is join Toastmasters. 
it's $20 a year. They have local chapters in almost every town all across the world. And then there's online chapters, but they will help you uh, hone a message, create an introduction, inter introduction, fill in the gaps with quality in content, and then round things up well. I, I went to Toastmasters in first grade, mind you. First grade. Wow. And stuck. They will also take away your ums and your ahs. And every time you say like, listen to people just at the grocery store, listen to people next time you go and hear a speaker, you'll hear like, 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 as if we're on an episode of The Bachelor. So it you can make money as a speaker, but have respect for the audience and learn how to speak well before you do it. Well, good advice. I think I'm I'm gonna have to join because my my um word is again, and I say that nonstop, even when it doesn't make sense. So um, I will have filler. to. Uh, <laughs> my filler word, yes, again, is my filler word. Um, Fitz, this is this has been an excellent conversation. I know that we could continue to go on and on, but I do want to make sure that the listeners know where they can find you. Your books come out in January, but but where where else can they get in touch with you? Uh, thank you so much. So my home base is fitness.com. Everything, contact button, my social channels are there, but at fitness.com, you'll find all sorts of free resources to help you get fit, videos, recipes, articles, et cetera. You'll find my books there. Please order them at fitness and I'll, I'll sign them and send a free gift with a cute little envelope. Uh, my online course is there. And then I am at fitness on almost all social channels. So Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, it's fitness, fitness, fitness. And what I'd like is followers are great. So if you click like, thank you. But what I'd prefer are friends. So please connect with me. Use your use your keyboard and say, I heard you on John Feldman's podcast and I'm, I'm an author too, or whatever, but I'd much rather have friends than followers. So please reach out and say hello. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for being here, Fitz. Um, congratulations just for all of your success, for your perseverance. You are someone who obviously deserves every everything that comes to you, every ounce of success. So congrats again. Thank you for being here. We look forward to reading your books in January. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Self-Published Success. We encourage you to put the tips and tricks you've discovered in this episode to use in your own author strategy. Please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on your preferred listening platform. Until next time, continue chasing your vision of authorship success.